Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hi, everybody. This is Becky, uh, our usual host, Susan. She's not here this evening. She's got better plans, I guess, but left me and Vinny to talk about this week's episode of Supernatural, The Rupture. It was written by Robert Behrens and directed by Charles Beeson. Um, I have to say of the first three episodes of the season, this has been the best one. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. What about you, Vinny? I resent the fact that I have to eat so much crow because I like this episode, and it's from one of my least favorite writers. And I think this was the best episode of the three. Um, it was good. I cried. What the hell? Right, right. So, yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. Credit where credit is due, I guess. It, it was good. It, the beginning was a little convoluted and wasn't really working for me, but at midpoint it really picked up. Yeah, the way it was going, it, you know, it started off kind of slow, but it just kept building and building to where it was like at the midpoint, I was like, what the heck's going on? I don't even know what's going on anymore. Because, like, it's, it, what what happened to me was when Castiel killed Belphegor, I was, like, flabbergasted because I figured he was going to be the big bad for the season. I know everybody was, like, you know, God and everything, but I figured Belphegor would be there for quite a while, uh, which after rewatching, I kind of think he might actually be come back. I don't know. Um, I don't know but, that yeah, I will come back, but I, I think we'll definitely – I hate to say this because it, it lessens the impact of death, but we talked about this before, how – death doesn't have the same impact. Like, I, I was really upset at, like, not so much at losing Rowena, even though I like Rowena a lot. It was the way she and Jared, those scenes were so good. But oh, there's so this part in the back of my head that goes, yeah, well, Rowena died and Belphegor died, but we're going to see Alex and Ruth again because death just doesn't stick on this show even in this final season, and it does lessen the impact to have that in the back of your head. Well, so I, 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 I can't I imagine that we, we aren't going to see them. I, I, I don't think we'll see Ruth again. I think her death was the final one. But Alex, I totally think we'll see Alex again because, I mean, for goodness sakes, he's on the poster for the season. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, well, I, I, I think I, he I, will. I don't yeah. know that we'll see Rowena. But I think we'll see Ruth because okay, I just, okay. I can't I can't imagine that she's not going to emerge as like the Queen of Hell or something, which would be might be really cool to see her play. But so I right you know, she was still, Kelly's we, mom, yeah, yeah. Like so, we still get to mourn Rowena, but I do think we'll see Ruth in the same way that I like. Of course, we're not really mourning Belphegor. We didn't know him, and like, there's no emotional attachment. Um, like even at, like I enjoyed the character. I thought it was funny and like a nice departure for Alex to play something different, which he did very well. But I don't like my moment of like 
oh, shit, was not like, oh, we're losing Belphegor. It was that cast just burned him out like that. Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, but I can't imagine we won't see Alex again. So, you know, there's that. What makes me think we'll, what makes me think we'll see Belphegor and probably Alex again, there's two different things. One, they made a point of showing that ring that that other demon had stolen in Lilith's vault. They made a point of, of Belphegor pointing it out, and the camera goes right into that ring. So we don't know what powers that ring has, and I think it's possible that while Castiel was over there beating on Ardat, that Belphegor stole that ring and had it with him. Maybe it has some kind of powers that allows him not to die or something. Um and then another thing is when he was dying after Castiel was beating up on Belphegor, he was, you know, he was either pretending to be Jack or Jack came through. So I wonder, you know, it's possible that maybe Belphegor had already zapped out of, you know, Jack's body and for some reason Jack showed up. Um, you know, I, I think there's something to both of those points possibly. I also wouldn't be surprised. Well, I mean, that, to see Belphegor, I feel like we're going to see Jack less than Belphegor. Yeah. Of course, who knows? Yeah. Um, and especially because they're really hitting home the whole, Jack was like a son to me for Cass only. I, I really hate when the show decides that, like, Jack was one of their sons at a time. It's so bizarre to me. Like either he was nobody's son or he was everybody's son, but like like every third episode somebody lays claim that he was their son. Like he was twenty yeah. years old, guys. <laughs> Calm down. Uh but whatever. Um I'm I wonder if the way they're playing cast right now where he's once again so sad, so depressed, boo hoo, no one likes me. You know, worms, worms, worms. Is that since Jack is in the empty and we have the whole prophecy with Cass in the empty, if that's going to tie in somehow. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I could see maybe, like, Castiel agreeing to change trade places with him, possibly, or something yeah, like so that, maybe. That, that being a trade-off, whatever. I could see mm-hmm, that happening mm-hmm. just because, you know. Um, we have a caller, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Okay. Hello. You're on Winchester Radio. How are y'all doing? Hey, Can you hear me? Christy? It's me. Yeah, is this Christy? Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> Who else's voice is that? <laughs> yes, it's me. I don't know, maybe some others. Southern Belle may have called in. I don't know. Don't tell, don't tell her she's a Southern Belle. She'll never let that go. Oh, <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, it's very, very true. So Hold on. Let me take y'all. Let me. On the Belphegor. I actually, okay. I actually 100% agree with what y'all said. Um, I actually, I think I tweeted earlier today I was because I was sitting there thinking about it, and I just think it'd be a really cool thing that since we know Jack is in the empty, it would be really cool if there was a way they could bring it back where you could have Alex playing Jack and then Alex also being an incarnation of Belphegor so he could actually play off himself because I think he would 
I think he would do really well at that. I think Alex has really shown um, with them giving him more than just naive childlike Jack, as much as I love Jack, Alex has shown so much being snarky and being funny and being sly. I think that he has really, really um, shown some acting chops that we hadn't really seen before. And I would like that if they would kind of allow him to do like Jared has has done and um, Jensen has done and, you know, other people have done not as well, but I think Alex would do well at that. But I do think it's a very, uh, to go back to what y'all were talking about uh, in hell, I didn't think about the ring part of it, but I just found something very odd about the fact that Belfagar suddenly stopped fighting. Like he just suddenly like went limp almost and stopped fighting. And, and I'm thinking Cass has been unable to really do much of anything lately but suddenly he can burn this demon out this easily, something doesn't seem right. Um, and I so thought that I really was we've never seen him. Well, and even if, because for a moment I thought, what if it really was Jack? But then Jack's the most powerful being, so that still wouldn't have worked. So it was yeah. strange. And, it, 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 and we've it never seen was... Castiel burn down to the bones like that before either. No. And maybe some of it was because he was so angry, maybe because, um, and, and something you, I think you said, Vinny, you know, so many people have been laying claim to Jack. That's one of the things that I found so um, kind of jarring, I think, in the in the season premiere was Dean's overwhelming rage and anger at Jack in the season finale last year. And then suddenly in the season premiere, they had him calling Jack basically their son. There was a part of me that was like, well, heck yeah, Y'all bas- he was basically your son, but then I'm thinking literally five minutes before you're ready to shoot him in the head. So I just I found that slightly jarring, but I also am like, is everybody going to lay claim to Jack being their son? Because Cass has been doing it incessantly. Um, and so I thought maybe they're trying to say that because Cass was so enraged um, with this being possessing his son's body, that somehow he was able to supercharge his powers. I don't know. Cass's powers are so all over the place. You never know from one scene to the next, much less episode to the next, what he's going to be able to do. Um, I mean, suddenly he was healing people's clothing, which we had never seen before, but then he couldn't (laughs) heal catch last week. So I don't know. Um, But I I, I love the thought of And then at the the end of this episode, he even... At the end of this episode, he even told Dean that he was losing his powers. Yeah, now, that was a very in- counter to that. Is he really? Like, I, I don't think that I don't think that's what happened. But I'm just saying, like, what if with Cass, it's maybe he's not who we think he is anymore. Hmm. Continue. Give me more on this theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who, who do you think like, he is? Okay, not necessarily like possessed or anything, but okay. So we could say that for seasons and seasons they've just been inconsistent, and it's a, it's just a big continuity fail. And honestly, my gut says that. But I thought the line that he says at the end, where he said, "My powers have been failing, and I've tried to talk to you." No, he hasn't. He's mentioned it. If someone says, hey, Cass, do this, he's like, no, I can't. 
but he's never sat down and said, listen, guys, this is going on and this is going on. I don't know what to do. So that was a weird line. And yeah, so yeah, I agree if, with is that. It, is it just a matter of like cast choosing what he is willing to bother to do or not? Like, did he not think Ketch was worthy of healing? Therefore, he's not going to, which mm. I don't disagree with. I really don't like the redemption arc for Ketch. I, the only cool thing about that redemption arc for Ketch was that I thought his death was cool because anytime you get someone's heart out of the chest, I'm there for it. <laughs> but it's like, and what it, I thought it, was it, cool was it was still connected. Yeah, yeah, I love that. When the heart's still like connected and beating, and like they show someone their heart right before they die, I love that. I'm sorry, I whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was a really cool death scene. I felt like that, uh, which uh, I I have never cared for catch whatsoever at all, and so I thought it was it was appropriately violent, and um, you know. I, I did, I, I had to say, it did tug at my heart a little bit that he did it in a sacrificial way. That did tug on my heart a bit. It doesn't change the fact that I detest him, but it did um, it did tug on my heart just a little bit that in his last breath, he was trying to protect, um, you know, Sam and Dean and the others. But, yeah, I did, I, I, I don't necessarily enjoy the gore, but I thought it was appropriately violent and gory. Uh, for who Ketch was and what he was on the show. And you have to appreciate the metaphor. Like, even if you're not someone who's into gore, like, the metaphor of ripping someone's heart out is just one that I've always enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, I, I actually I actually like your theory. I actually like the theory, I like the theory of that um, that maybe Cass is still in some way playing God. Like he's still somehow thinking this person is worthy and this person is not, but he's just keeping it to himself. And he's choosing what to use his powers on and what not to use his powers on. And I, because, because I, I think, mean. Which would be, here's the thing, like I, like storytelling wise, that would be a really interesting twist. And, you know, a few of us have discussed before the idea of like, casting the big bad all along and not necessarily like evil all along, but just like not necessarily a good guy. Like just um, self-serving in a way. And so if you think about the things that like, okay, you can bring this person back to life, but you couldn't bring Sam back to life after the vampires. Yeah. And, you know, just different things where it's like, what are your priorities, really? Because it did, and I'll, I'll say, like, sometimes I'm not sure if it's just like an, because don't, the actors don't get too much information ahead of time. It did look like Cass was, really had almost, like, take a deep breath and rally a little bit before he burnt out Belphegor. But at the same hand, he still burnt out Belphegor to the point that we've never seen him do anything like that before. And apparently, according to Ardat, Belphegor is way more powerful than we knew because she said, do you know who that is? You know, exactly. he's a big person. I, and I had he had just absorbed a whole lot of 
right. And I looked yeah, them up yeah. before the first podcast. We didn't do this. We didn't do one for episode two. But before the first podcast, I looked him up, and like I said, he's a prince of hell, or was it a knight or a prince? A prince. Yeah, he's one of the seven princes of hell. So, like, kind of a big deal. Which I also feel like, again, if you're Castiel and someone says, I'm Belphegor, you should catch that. Well, especially since he kept dropping, and even in conversation, and I didn't do any research whatsoever, but even in conversation, him just saying he was around during the time of Lilith, that right there let me know this is old school. Like, this is not some new, you know, this is an old school. Why would Cass not understand, at least have some sort of an understanding of the hierarchy of hell and where he fell into it? Um, right. And, they, and, just, they just pulled Willis out of nowhere, and you get Sam's reaction, and Cass is just, like, in stride. And, like, I can yeah. kind of get Dean being in stride about it because he's not – his priorities are, like, I just want to blow everything up right now. I'm angry, and I'm frustrated, and I just want to not do this. But – I get I, there, there, and ever since episode one of this season, I thought I thought that where it's like, how do you not like you have demons who know who Cass is, and Cass is only like two thousand years old and very low level. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be uh, like if I walked in, if I walked in somewhere, they were like, oh yeah, well I'm George Washington, and I'd be like, oh hmm, interesting, <laughs> yeah. But there's a, and and it's just like y'all were saying earlier, and I said earlier, the whole fight scene seemed very anticlimactic. Like it was, um, you know, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of fighting, and then all of a sudden the fight went out of Belphegor, and Cass was very, very easily subdued him. And sure, let's say Cass is full of righteous anger. Sure, let's say that Cass waits to use his powers, um, you know, when he chooses to. It's still something that was off about it. When you know he literally just, just you know, used Lilith's crook. You know he nor- he just absorbed all of these souls, which should have made him powerful. We know that apparently he was powerful prior to doing that. So that's what it, it even makes it even seem stranger that suddenly he allowed Cass to overpower him and supposedly destroy him. So I just... The whole thing seems kind of hinky to me. Like it's, I, I feel like that they're wanting to try to lull us into a false sense of, oh, he's really dead. But I think that most of us have been watching this show long enough to know something just didn't seem quite right about the fight scene. Like it seemed too easy for Cass to win. And the only thing that we didn't see any smoking out. So even though he did try to play yeah. the jack card, we didn't see any smoking out. He just kind of went limp, which, again, like you said, is weird. I wonder if it could also have been part of Belphegor's plan all along. Not only did he need Castiel to sing the Enochian to open the box, but maybe he that's why he was really, you know, constantly needling him the whole time to get him mm-hmm. in that pissed-off mood. And, you know, that he needed... Castiel to do what he did to, for the next part of his plan. I mean, it, and it he could was, be one of those things where where everything. I mean, we're very. It's very clear that the last few seasons have been a retread of earlier seasons. So, 
it could be that, you know, in the same way that we had 66 seals before, maybe this is something. Because I'm not, in the first half of the episode, I really had a hard time, like, seeing whether, like, deciding whether I trusted Rowena or not. Like, she seemed sketchy. Like, honestly, up until the moment she had Sam kill her, it felt sketchy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know if that... Oh, go ahead, Benny. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I don't know if that was, like, just because, like, for me as an American, a Scottish accent sounds glib. <laughs> like, just, like, like, do I watch too much UK TV and everything just sounds kind of glib to me? I don't know if that's yeah. it or was there a real reason? I'm not sure. Like, I have I an American because- ear. I think it's because most of the TV, well, yeah. that, most of the UK TV we watch are, are smarter people. And so that right, tends you to get in you your mind. A lot of the similar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that tends to make you feel like, wait a minute, because you're hearing it in the accent and you're thinking, is that sincere or are they being sarcastic? Because if, and that's true. Like I, I was, I just found it very odd when she was insistent on Sam helping her. Like I felt like, she looked at the book. She, they, they very pointedly made a, um, to me it seemed very pointed, that Sam comes back over to her. She's looking at the book. He says, have you found anything? She closes the book very deliberately and says, no, not a thing. And it was very obvious that she's looking at a page. And I thought right then, I thought, okay, she's yeah. up to something. She's up to something yeah. kinky. Like something's not quite right here. And then when she insisted on Sam helping her, I was immediately like, my little antenna went up, and I'm like, okay, she's doing something. She better not hurt my boy. Like, you know, she better not after she's bonded with Sam, and I've gotten to a point where I feel like she genuinely cares about Sam, and he cares about her. Do not do this. I really was, like, worried. And I'm going to circle back because I I think that was something that that I want to circle that is going to tie into that, the way we're discussing it. She said, Gore's death makes her feel the same, um, like along the same lines as Catherine and Crowley's bones in season six, which wasn't real. Mm. And so, and here's the thing, like, they, it was set up very clear, like, Rowena did say, like, I need Sam, you're the most seasoned witch. And while that's true, and we do know that Rowena, Rowena feels more comfortable with Sam and has for a long time than she does with Dean. Then there's the conversation they have about, like, the person who has to throw the bomb won't be protected, no salt circle, out in the open. And you just kind of know that that's such a Dean thing to do, to throw himself in the exactly. parade. Exactly. And then when you get to Belchagor saying, I need, I need muscle, I, first of all, since when is cast muscle? But like, oh, okay, my God. That, but, was, that was but, so but, hilarious but, to me. But, oh, my God. That was hilarious to me. say that. For him to say that, and Dean is immediately like, okay, Cass will go with you. Nobody ever said that Dean was going to be the one to throw the bomb. It was just understood. Mm-hmm. So it seemed very much like we need to make sure everybody is playing their part. So I don't know. Like my, and, my thing is, is this Selena's way to become the queen of hell? 
but I don't feel like mm. anything we've seen of Rowena makes me feel that that's something she wanted, and why would she be working with Belphegor? And at what point did they, like, hack this plan? But that's the way it feels. Yeah. So it doesn't make any chronological I, sense, but that's how it feels. I think the whole, you know, what made me distrust her, like you were talking about there, Christy, was when we saw her looking at that page in the book and then lie to Sam that she didn't find anything. That automatically made you think, well, she's used that book for her personal gain before, and mm-hmm. so she's going to do that again. And But, what, you know, when it turned out that, no, she was actually doing it because she was going to sacrifice herself, I, 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 I honestly... And again, like Eileen tweeted earlier, um, Eileen tweeted, I think that's why Rowena is actually gone. Her death was in service of the Winchesters and greater good, like Ellen and Joe, Crowley, mm. and Catch. And good point. So I agree with Eileen. Yeah, and I really think Rowena is gone. Yeah, I just wonder if it was just, you know, the script was written weirdly. I would say the directing, but... It, uh, you know, Beeson's been a director with the show for a long time, and he really understands the show. So I feel like any choices like that would have been very intentional. So I don't know. Like I said, maybe it is just the fact that, like, to me, anything she says is going to sound. And, of course, like, we're conditioned to always wonder if she's really being selfless or not. Like, even when she's done things for the boys before, just like Crowley, there's always this hint of, but I also did it for this reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always, that's the thing with Rowena, that at times when I've loved her and at times when I've not, there always seems to be a double play. At, at, there's, always, there's always an underlying thing of, yes, I'm doing it for this reason, but this is how it's benefiting me on the underside. And and Eileen just tweeted about uh, she seemed sketchy because she was trying to hide her last play from Sam until she had to, and that I is about just that, like yeah, just like Becky said and just like Eileen said in, um, earlier. I I think I do. I think this is goodbye to Rowena, um, and I feel like that it was beautifully done. And I feel like she, I do feel like that she purposely knew Sam would have such a hard time because they had shared experiences, because he felt a bond with her because of the whole Lucifer situation, that he felt some sort of a bond with her that was different than maybe with other people. Okay, I just thought of this, and I've only watched the episode two times, so correct me if I'm wrong. Did she look through the books before they decided who was going with who and where, or after? Before. After. Was it after? Oh, helpful. <laughs> Both of you, super helpful. Thank you ever so. Well, no, I was thinking it was before because I thought that Cass and Jack were outside looking at the whole deal, and Dean and Sam had just had the conversation where Dean was basically yeah, saying, you're, you're right. the one that said we were going to survive. You're the one that said this, and so I'm, we're sticking with that. Then he walked back over to Rowena and said, have you found anything? Are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. I think then after that is when Cass and Jack, or excuse me, Cass and Belphegor uh, came back inside, and then they had the little huddle and figured out, okay, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. So I think it was, I yeah. think it was actually before. I think you're right. I'm trying to rewind and find the spot on because I have it playing in the background, but I think you're right. 
So that might have actually been what she saw that she didn't want him to see was Okay, so and that's where she closes it. And yeah, she was purposely making sure he did not have a clue yeah, of what she was right. doing. And Captain Belfagor comes back. So I think maybe that's the spell she saw that she didn't want him to see because it was the backup plan. Mm-hmm. And see, for us just watching it as, as people watching, it seems sketchy. In hindsight, now looking back, right, right, you can tell exactly. it's because she was trying to protect Sam from himself because she knew he was going to struggle and she wasn't going to give him any time to try to wiggle out or figure a different way. She knew what she needed to do and she was going to, she was going to make it happen. Um, which, you know, I, I, and I think he's, they, they made a point of showing her actually dig out her last re- resurrection bag thingy and out of her chest. So I think that was another point in that she's gone for good. They made a point of showing, look, she, you know, cause she's died twice and come back before and because mm-hmm. of those resurrection thingies. So I think that, you know, by them making a point of showing her dig that out and telling this is my last one, that it was her last, but that was her last death. I will say that I find it very surprising and this is another reason why I think, like, while we may not see Rowena again, but we'll see Ruth, is because I find it so surprising that they would kill her off this soon. And while I like Rowena and I like Ruth, you have to admit that she's kind of a, a, a pet character. Mm. So what I for, thought, them to, for them so, to kill her off with 17 episodes to go is very strange to me. This, I mean, this could be completely and totally wrong, which more than likely it is. Um, but I kind of got the feeling that they're like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're killing off everybody who's not oh, Sam for and sure. Dean until it's only Sam and Dean at the end. And which, I mean, yeah, I love all these side characters. Bobby Singer is like my all-time favorite character on this show. But... I would rat I want it to be a Sam and Dean ending, and um, like the you know the first few seasons it was just Sam and Dean. I would like for them to go out that way as well. So I that's what I you know with them killing off three characters, which one of them you know will probably be coming back in this episode. It made me think that yeah, look, this is what we're doing. We're killing off everybody this year until it's down to no, Sam I, and Dean. I, I agree that that's I didn't expect. A character. That's why I say, like, there's certain characters where I'd be like, well, of course they already killed them off. Let's get the let's get that out of the way. Like, like if you're gonna kill off Jody, Donna, etc., like, yeah, let's get that out of the way. But I feel like, um, especially for the executive producers um, being like, you know, Singer, Brad, and Eugenie. Ruth as a as an actress and Rowena as a character, like I said, was a was a, a very much a pet character for them and a pet actress for them. Nothing get like I'm not saying she wasn't good or anything. I'm just saying like it was a very much something that they were like, this is our darling, and to kill your mm-hmm. darling that soon, like I'm a firm believer in killing your darlings. I'm not someone who thinks that's a bad thing. Kill your darlings, but I didn't expect them to kill her so soon. I was expecting and, like mid And I will say this, and this is uh, uh, maybe this is harsh for me to say. I actually was shocked and surprised 
pleasantly that they actually remembered that previously they had said Sam was going to be the one to kill her. I I have to say that kind of shocked me because they have been so all over the place with Canon recently and about all sorts of things that I was, it really did. Like when they, when she brought that up and said, you have to be the one, it's got to be you. I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually called back to that. Like that, that impressed me a little bit. I have to say, I have to give Baron a a point because I did, I really, (laughs) I would not have been surprised if they'd forgotten that. I will share my crow with you. Uh, which oh, okay. makes Thank me you. again wonder how much of I'm. It's one of it's one of the quotes I I hate the most from any writer ever. But there was a quote on Twitter from Bobby Thompson years ago where he basically said, "We know what we know what's canon and what isn't. We ignore it when we ignore it for the joke or something like that." Which is why I've always said I hate when they explain. They prioritize the joke. Um, and so it makes me wonder, like, how much of what we say, like, oh, they just don't pay attention, is them going, no, we know, we just would rather do this for the, for the effect in the moment. Which, again, takes me back to, are they really confused about what Cass can and can't do? I I truly I truly don't think I think for years and this is not because I dislike the character I'll just say this this would be any character um, that I feel has been written as poorly as Cass's has um, I don't think they have a clue what they're doing Cass from episode to episode in some I it's mind-boggling to me because it does seem like the character is powerful not powerful he's useful he's not useful. He's he's all over the place so I don't truly at this point because I've been speculating and of course we know that Misha sometimes is not always forthcoming or honest or you know with some of the things he says to fans but he has intimated at the end and that Cass is gonna you know be gone sooner than rather than later you know at this point I'm just I don't know I'm kind of expecting that you know, Cass is probably going to, they're going to somehow do some big grand gesture, like y'all were saying earlier, possibly about swapping himself with Jack to bring Jack back. The thing for is, him to is some and, sort of. And Eileen and I were discussing this earlier. Um, it goes back to the whole people die in service of the Winchesters, and Cass is really the only one who hasn't. You know, he's, you know, he does have the line of always happy to bleed for the Winchesters, but really he's never gone, I don't want to say above and beyond, because I, no, yeah, he never has. In terms of, you know, the same way that Crowley, Ellen, Joe, anybody else has, you know, there's always that, that line for him of self-preservation. And mm-hmm. so, so, and I was talking to Clarissa about this earlier. In that, when you take a, or when you when you're in college and you're taking um, English courses and you're looking towards a literary degree and a, and a writing degree, so when you craft a story, in theory, Cass's story should end with Cass dying, because you don't have a character like him that came in very powerful and as a warrior, 
or a soldier, mm-hmm. not a warrior, a soldier, and then kind of defied his lieutenant for all intents and purposes, and then, you know, became what he became and then slowly lost who he is, but he's still immortal. So what do you do? Do you kill everybody around him and then doom him to walk the earth alone after that? He's also not the crux of the story. He's mm-hmm. not the storyteller either. That's Chuck. So really, in terms of true story formatting, you do have to kill Cass in service of the Winchesters. That's the true arc. Now, do do the writers go with a, the true storytelling, or do they attempt to subvert that in some way? I don't know. Sometimes I think these writers purposely try to subvert things to show us how clever they think they are. Hence the season finale for last year. So I, I don't know, but in terms of true, true storytelling, Cass's arc should end with him dying as a sacrifice. Because again, if not, then you're back to the same old thing with like, you know, Angel or Spike, or I'm assuming the vampires from Vampire Diaries, where you have that character that sits there and goes, yeah, but you're all going to die, and then I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like the end you of really... the original. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how the brothers, that's, the brothers at the end of the originals, that's basically, you're immortal, but I don't want to survive. If you're not surviving, what am I going to do? Um, right. Yeah, and Cass's only Cassis friends is, are fragile humans. Yeah, who actually don't. So, um, he's in a he. That's what I'm saying. They're writing, writing Cass into a box. I deserve to go through with what needs to happen because I can. Um, if you're looking at this in a way that that they can give him a storyline, a through storyline that makes his character make sense, that's exactly what they need to do. I just hope they have the nerve to do it and to and to make it fine it stick and to have it be because truly some of these characters I mean I I didn't get to call in last week because I was um I was out of town but I was the whole Kevin Tran thing, bringing Kevin Tran back only to have him Anyway, I'm going to get emotional. Like it just, and I'm not a huge Kevin Tran fan, but it just really upset me. Like they literally sent him out into the world on his own, and we're like, bye. And I was like, oh dear God, this boy. Like, how is this? How is this fitting for this character? Like, this just doesn't seem. So I keep telling myself, maybe somehow they're going to bring him back, and he's going to have some grand gesture at the end and be something and have something. But at least somewhat of a closure that I can live with. Like I just feel like right now, I mean, I'm just depressed. Like the whole thing depressed me. <laughs> Maybe I was supposed to be depressed. I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't. Everybody knows. Like Cass is not my favorite character, but I would like to see the storyline because I was a Cass fan when he first came on the show. I've said that many times to people. They don't believe me. I was a Misha fan and a Cass fan when he first came on the show. It was when the this character just got, um, yeah. Uh, I just hope he gets some sort of storyline that, that wraps him up in a good way. Um, I, I don't know if these writers can accomplish it, but I really hope so. Um, 
But I would like to circle back to something. Um, and <laughs> I found it very, I found it a very humorous editing choice since we're talking about Cass. The fact that when he began to sing in Enochian, they they didn't air that. I would love to know, and I wish somebody would ask this question at a at a panel or a con or something. Did they actually film Misha singing in Enochian, and they just decided not to air it? Is there some sort of blooper reel, or did they just purposely write it where he starts to uh, sing in Enochian and they cut from him? Like, because I, I found that to be super humorous. Well, as someone who has heard Misha sing, he can't really. <laughs> Which is no shade. I can't sing. No, there's no shade of that. But it did. It, it struck me more like um, in season six of Buffy, uh, once more was feeling bless Alice in Hannigan Park but she can't sing. So they always, they gave her things where she could either like sing talk or a very brief line that she could just kind of have like a melody. Yeah, like just have a little bit of a melody versus like, again, poor Michelle Trachtenberg who also can't sing and they kind of made her a little bit. But even with her, they Mm. still had her more of a talk scene. Versus everybody else, you know, even Sarah, who didn't have the strongest voice but could at least carry a tune, all the way through, like, Amber and Tony, who had amazing voices. Um, so I think I think when you're writing something like that, you're very aware of your actor's limitations in terms of, like, are they a triple threat or are they just, like, maybe half of one threat? Uh, well, that was shady. I'm not sorry, but whatever. Uh <laughs> I think you know. I think it was done for the joke. I think I think they're all yeah. very aware, well aware. And again, that goes back to you know thing that goes back to Belfagor knowing that Cass is the one he had to take down there, even though mm-hmm. he didn't say, "Cass, come with me." So like the very like Belfagor and like we can dis- dispute um, Rowena or not, but like Belfagor for sure engineered this very carefully and it's interesting how he played all of them then. Yeah, because he, he basically took this, it's very interesting especially now that we know that if you think back to when he was first introduced in the premiere and every episode how how um, that's one thing they've done well is that they have had the through line of his story that the character has always been very smart. He's been very crafty. And this episode, of course, it's very obvious that he exploited that Rowena was doing this. And then he, he because like if we're saying, if there, if there was no collusion between them, if it was sheerly Rowena doing what she needed to do, and then Belfagor basically jumping onto it and saying, oh, well, I need help. He specifically knew this is the one I need to take with me, but did it in such a crafty way where instead of him being the one to say Cass, Dean is the one to say, oh, no, Cass can go. Cass can go. He suggested Cass going because Cass is the muscle, which, you know, leave that alone. Let's go back to that scene. I've seen some people talk about that scene and get really offended on Cass's behalf. And also, like, the way Misha played it was like, how dare you volunteer me? Well, what else were you supposed to do? Like we'd already established that Sam was going to be a witch. 
clearly Dean was the one who was going to throw a bomb because it's like his favorite thing to do. What were you going to do? Sit on a stone step and twiddle your thumbs? I'm sure that's what you wanted to do. But, like, you can't. You can't let five other people do all the heavy lifting and you just go, I don't want to. He looks so intense that, heaven forbid, somebody volunteer me to do a job. Yeah. Like, you were the only one who hadn't drawn a straw. Well, and you're the only other supernatural being in the group. Because, yes, Rowena is a witch. She's not inherently a supernatural being the way you are. So if you're going to have... At the end of the day, she's a human. So I'm like, I, yeah, I'm with you. And I also found it, I, and I, I didn't say anything about it, but I saw so many people on Twitter commenting about how hypocritical it was for Cass to be saying all the stuff he was saying about Belfagor using Jack's body. Oh, God, so, when so hypocritical. People were, and, and I did not say anything because I honestly, I, I was listening to it, but I was half listening to it, and then people started commenting on it, and I was like, wow, that really is because – that's the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, it's really hard for you to have a high moral ground when you literally force someone's daughter to accept you while you're inhabiting her dad's body. So it's you really don't have that much moral ground to say, I can barely stand to look at you, when Sam and Dean, just as much as you were Jack's parents, and possibly more so, and yet they're figuring out a way to do it. They're figuring out a way to make this work because – you know, as always, you know, uh, supernatural has strange bedfellows when they're trying to do something. They all they've always done that, where they've had people they don't really like. They've had to work with them to make, you know, to make things happen. So anyway, that's yeah, that's something that all um, their, almost all of their allies since season four, arguably season three. Actually, no, not arguably, definitely season three started out as antagonists. So, like, for Dean, when Dean said, you know, we would have figured it out, yeah, and I don't understand why Cass just decided to flip out like that, especially when, I think it's really interesting to do something like this, but also not call attention to it, which makes me wonder, are they going to later, or do they genuinely think that they did something original, which would be hilarious, but you have Belsagor, you have Cass. Again, the irony of everything he said to Belphegor about, you know, you're wearing him, I can't look at you, blah, 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 blah. You're an abomination, sir, you as well. But also, just like that, in that literal moment, we did a retread of the season six God's DL uh, storyline of I'm going to take in all the souls and be the most powerful one. I'm going to be a god. Like, it was almost verbatim. And I wonder if that was really more Cass's issue of seeing the hubris, like seeing himself in it. But then, that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't find. Um, yeah, I don't really. I don't quite understand. Um, I and don't get me wrong. A show that's been on for fifteen years, I can. I understand that sometimes you touch back on the same things. You touch back on some of the same points. Do some of the same. But yeah, the whole God Steel thing. Um, was very interesting because the minute that Belphegor started talking, I thought, wait a minute, I've heard this before. And it was so odd and strange. And I thought, this is this this is where they're going with this? Like, I knew the guy was shady. I had a feeling he had some major plan that was going to unfurl, you know, unfurl and we were going to see it all. But that was, I, I have to say, that was kind of like a letdown in some ways because I thought, 
that's it? Like, haven't haven't we done that? And it ended really badly. Like, is that is that going to be like the big bad this season? Is that he's going to show back up and then they're going to have to figure something? I don't know. It just seems to me like at this point there's so many things floating around. I don't really know who the big bad is supposed to be this season yet. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, the whole Godspeed thing was very interesting. Um, the, or, or I should say the the parallel to it with having that that bell score now. I don't know what you'd call him God of War. I don't and know. It, um Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me wonder, like, was Cass's real issue less what was going on and more that well, I'm not gonna be trapped down here with that. Because again and that that was kind of the highlight of what, what Rowena's sacrifice was is that, you know, Cass gonna get so upset that, you know, how dare you send me down there and how dare you throw the bomb without making sure I could get out and how dare you, how dare you, this is what you guys do. Every time you go and fight something, the idea is you might not make it. And Sam and Dean set themselves up a lot to be the ones to not make it and sometimes don't make it. And Rowena threw herself into the same pit that you crawled out of. She volunteered it. And at this point, we don't have any concrete evidence that it's, um, there's an ulterior motive. Right now, it is a straight sacrifice that she'd had. And, and, I, and I, think, I will give and parents I a lot even, of credit for even, that. Yeah, and I think even if she emerges as the queen of hell, unless they give me a line that says, this, is my, this was my intention, I will, I will believe that she emerged as the queen of hell, but not on purpose. Because she said, my body will break down. If her body doesn't, then she just contains all the souls still. So unless, they, unless they're blatant about why she did it and that she didn't do it for the greater good, then I'm going to believe that that was why. So, you know, we had an entire, you know, it was just, it does come across as very self-serving in that why are you the one who always stops yourself from being sacrificed? Why are you always the one that makes sure that you get out just in time? Yeah, especially when you juxtapose the you juxtapose against the fact that catch, you know, however you feel about the character, his last his last breath was literally sacrificing himself to, in however way he could protect the boys. That Rowena and it was mm-hmm. done beautifully. I got to give Barons credit for that because those scenes between Jared and Ruthie, um, there was so much oh, genuine beautiful. affection, you know, between them. But the characters, like I said earlier, to me. Um, you know, the bond that they shared because of their shared Lucifer um, torture, to me, there was just something so inherently beautiful about those scenes, the way that they played them, the way that they shot them. Everything was good. i got to give um, – I, I can't remember the director's name, but I've got to give him and Barron's credit because they were done so oh, beautifully. Peter. Yeah, and um, they just were done well, and it made – it just – for the first time, now, I mean, I like the first episode. I, I like the premiere. I hated last week, but this I actually cried. Like it actually made me cry because it was done so well. But to juxtapose Catch's sacrifice with Rowena's sacrifice, and then have a character that it does exactly what you're saying that doesn't that always chooses the path of selfishness to some extent, 
that you know it's it doesn't look good <laughs> it's not a good look and i will say, say like, i will say like you you have you have the brothers who they're always willing to sacrifice themselves they're not willing to sacrifice the other one but like sam as a character and dean as a character is always willing to be the one to throw themselves into the fire it's just the other one that doesn't want them to do it like in this case you had sam just staring at the door like like when it's like when when you're a child and your parents go out maybe not every child but i did this and you're just like when are you coming home when are you coming home why is it my why is it my parents home come home that feeling and just that that itch to get to make sure and like with rowena rowena knew like she said the world like she said would you let the world die and she knew she knew Mm -hmm. that that wasn't enough she knew it wasn't enough until she said your brother and the fact that Sam says no. Like we rarely see one of we rarely see one of them be so blatant like that. Like it's always inherent, but to verbalize it is a little more rare. And yeah, that episode where you that do I have think is what pain, got him. Yeah, it definitely was. And in the same episode where you have Cass telling she had to say Elfador, she said your brother they, after the world. She, yeah, exactly. It wasn't just the world. The world it was knew. it was Dean. Mm-hmm. Because she knows that there's the world and then there's Dean. Just like for, for Dean, there's the world and then there's Sam. So yes, let's mm-hmm. say the world until one of the other ones a target. And then it's like, oh no 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 no, we have to fight a different way. Um. And you even and have that's Cass Day. You have Cass Day. They don't care about you, which again is a really weird placement for that line. When at that point they are all putting their lives in danger to do this, because even if if it didn't work, then they were all going to die. And in the process of doing it, any one of them could have died. Well, and that's, and that's for, I was for like, him yeah. to act like for him to act like oh you know what was me again with the what was me was just so it was tacky. <laughs> it really, really was because look, he's he's here all upset because he's all because Dean is mad at him when Rowena sacrificed herself, Catch sacrificed you know himself. He he killed you know Jack's body. And here he is sad because everybody's mad at him. I was like, give me a freaking break. Well, and and it's one of the, it's, the character, I don't know. And and I'm trying not to be too, too harsh about this. It might, the character might come across differently in some ways if there was a different actor playing him. But, you know, the character just comes across so one-dimensional at times that I just have such a hard time having any empathy whatsoever because I felt the same way back thinking, Holy crap, you just – and at that point, he might not have necessarily known Catch sacrificing himself. He certainly knew because he watched Rowena do it. So he certainly knew you just lost this person that gave everything for – everything. This person who had – and forgive me if I get emotional – Rowena literally has fought tooth and nail to stay alive how many hundreds of years. She has done everything Mm -hmm. and sacrificed anything and everything she ever cared about to stay alive, to stay powerful, to do all these things. And yet, and yet, she said she did it for the magic. She said she did it for the prophecy. 
she still did it too because she loved she loved the boys. I will I will I will go to the map saying that I do think she had an affection for the boys, not necessarily as much Dean as for Sam, and there was no other I way. I think Dean she scared saw. her more. I think Dean yeah. scared her more in a yeah in a volatile way, whereas Sam, she you know like like you discussed you know them both having to deal with torture at the hands of Lucifer. They had that understanding, and I do think uh, this is my you know my head cannon bleeding through, but whatever. I do think that, especially with Rowena saying, you know, you're a seasoned witch, and I've always been very much, you know, team um, witch Sam. I think that also gave her respect as well, where she, you know, and I think there's a, there's, you know, in terms of, like, hero's journeys and storytelling, and I know I keep going back to, like, fundamentals of storytelling, but, you know, they exist for a reason. Um, you have that character. You have those characters sometimes that they find a respect in who kills them. Like um, mm-hmm. uh, spoilers, if you've never watched Angel, okay. If you're, I don't know how you watch Supernatural, but if you've never watched Angel, but when Lindsay dies and the character that kills him, and he says, "You kill me? You don't get to kill me. Angel kills me." And it's just yep. devastating. I think of that. It's not that he quite often. It's not that he died. He expected to die. It was the how dare this be the way I die. This is not how I go out. Versus for Rowena, Rowena was like, no, I respect who's killing me. So the the Lindsay thing you're talking about there, yeah, that that will always be to me one of the most devastating scenes and especially the way Andy Hallett played Lauren in that scene it was yeah I'm getting emotional thinking about it I'm literally getting emotional I'm getting choked up thinking about it because yeah that's, that was such a, that was such a powerful powerful scene oh yeah I will die, and on, I, the, I will die on the hill that the angel finale far supersedes the Buffy finale come for me come for me oh universe. yeah 100%. I don't care 100%. I actually and this is a and I apologize for everybody tuning in for Supernatural, but I'm going to go off on a tangent because I got to meet James Marsters for the first time last weekend. And I literally had a conversation with him for about five minutes on the superiority of Angel over Buffy. And he said, <laughs> you know, you're not the first person that told me that. I actually talked to somebody recently and read an article about that and talked to somebody about it. And we actually had a discussion on it. And it was very interesting um, because I was, you know, I was just talking and I, I actually really, I don't know necessarily meant to say it. But um, <laughs> but it came out, and uh, so we actually had a nice chat about it and about you know the differences and stuff because um, there were some there was some scenes. Then don't get me wrong, I love Buffy, but there were some scenes in Angel that were uh, devastating. Um, and like I'm and the thing you're talking about, like just thinking about it, like really, like makes my chest hurt a little because it was such a I was I I was a huge fan of Lindsay, and so that scene and and anyway. But anyway, I just thought that was – I'll throw that tidbit in there that uh, I did I did drop that in James's ear, uh, whether subconsciously or not. I don't really know why I did it, but he found it he found it very interesting and said it was something that he's been told before. But um, to circle back oh, yeah. around to Supernatural. Vinny and I, it wasn't, Vinny and I have talked, talked about it many times, yeah. <laughs> that Angel, at the end of the yeah. day, Angel's better written, better directed, and better acted than Buffy. And I love Buffy. Buffy is a show that shaped my life 
mm-hmm. going back to the movie. So mm-hmm. I, I have an infinite respect and affection for it, and it will always be one of my favorite canons. But on an objective, you know, critical level, Angel's a better show. It's a better show. It just is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and it and is supernatural to, related because of Christian Kane. True. True yeah. that. True that. <laughs> but uh, I will – and I, like I said, I think I tweeted it last night, and I don't necessarily think if it was intentional or not, but I did like the fact that as Ruthie said goodbye, she almost mirrored exactly what Crowley had said. And I'll take yes. this moment to give a shout-out to Mark Shepard. I love you, Mark Shepard, wherever you are. Um, I miss you desperately. Uh, but anyway, I, personally for me, you know, as somebody who uh, very vocally has said, I feel like uh, Mark Shepard and Crowley were not done – they they weren't done right by um, – I did like that, that whether intentional or not, I liked it was a callback because it was very similar to what Crowley said as his parting words. And for her to say that, it just, it touched me. Like, I liked it. I was like, I would like to think it was intentional. (laughs) I would like to. I don't know if it was, but I did like it. Like, I liked the fact that I didn't, there were some things last night, um, I, I really didn't care for the VFX last night. I, I'm not sure about this whole escaping from hell, uh, rainbow-colored entities. Uh, that's throwing me off. I don't really understand that and why they're doing it the way they're doing it. And I, some of the way that um, – some of the things that they've done this season have c- c- confused the heck out of me as far as the VFX and editing and stuff. But I did think that um, – the way that they, the whole last scene as she walked through and the different looks on their faces. And you could tell like Dean was kind of in a state of shock as in like, wait, what's happening? What? I'm not, I'm confused. Like what, why has she got a gaping hole? Why is she walking towards this hell mouth? What, what is, what's happening right now? Like Dean seemed confused. Sam seemed anguished. Um, I'm not going to mention anybody else, but uh, I liked it. I felt like they could have framed maybe Rowena a little bit better in a more flattering way. But I liked it. I liked the, I don't know, I liked the um, symmetry of Crowley's sacrifice versus Rowena's sacrifice, um, and that they both found something in the Winchesters that was worth sacrificing for. Um, or in, And like we're saying, there, if there's an ulterior motive, I'm probably going to be a little uh, disappointed um, <laughs> because I like the thought of her being sacrificial. Um, but... You know, I like the I like the symmetry of it. I like the fact that uh, it reminded me of Crowley and reminded me of of what he did um, in her final moments. But real quick, uh, something personal, Christy, I wanted to ask you: Do you get the Culture Fly Supernatural boxes? No, I do not. Okay, and this most current one that they had recently, it was Crowley stuff. And I've saved a couple things out of it for you that I'm going to give to you when I see you in Nashville in the spring. You are a delight and a treasure, Becky. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I would love that. I would love that. As soon as the song was like, I, I got to save these for Christy. So they're yours. I would love that. Yeah. And here's the here's the here's the uh, uh, back um, back to the episode just for a second. Um, I found it. Uh, I found the fact that, and I know people were saying last night, and I'm going way back into the episode, back to Sam and Dean's talk. I like the fact that um, in some ways I know some people found it kind of 
interesting. I don't know if it's interesting is not the right word. Some people found it disturbing, I guess, or it bothered them um, about the fact that um, Dean was the one having to kind of pump Sam up. I, that didn't bother me. Like it doesn't bother me that in one episode Sam is the Sam is the um, one that says we can do everything, we can accomplish everything, we're going to kick everybody's butt, and Dean is the one that's more of the. I like the fact that in one episode Sam is an optimist and Dean is a pessimist, and they flip it sometimes and then have them play role reversals because to me that's more like real life. Sometimes people I agree. think everything I sucks think that's better, and sometimes people think that everything yeah, is fantastic. Totally and so, um, but I liked, I really did enjoy the the brother moments last night. I enjoyed this the side talk they had while Cass and. Um, Cass and Balfour were outside and Rowena was looking at the spell. I like that talk that they had. I love the talk at the very end. One thing I thought interesting, and that's, that's what my thought was, and it was something I think, Benny, you said earlier, talked about with, uh, or both of y'all were saying, I think, when she brought Dean up, that she specifically said the world, and then when she didn't get the face or the reaction she wanted, she said, your brother, and then she immediately knew she had him. Because that was the ma- those were the magic words, and that Sam in that moment was like, "I'm willing to sacrifice anything for my brother," and having mm-hmm. to admit that out loud. And I wondered if, when he was sitting on the bed and feeling the anguish and the sorrow and probably the guilt, knowing Sam, if that's something that was playing on his mind, is the fact that there's nothing that I wouldn't sacrifice for him. In my head canon, it was was <laughs> my head canon. That that's part of it is the fact that it's almost terrible what these brothers are willing to sacrifice for the other. That the world can burn as long as their brother's okay. And I won't um, disregard your time because on a like I love delicious codependency level, I accept it. <laughs> um, but I do think that for for that moment, for me, the way it read was more of Sam. Uh, I I, want to believe it was Sam thinking it didn't have to go that way. Yeah. And I'd like to think that that's part of why Dean was so upset was, you know, Cass pulling off script meant that Sam had to do what Sam had to do. And so you screwing up means my brother's upset. And the interesting thing about, like, that final scene is, you know, at no point does Dean tell Cass, get out. He's just honest. And it's almost like Cass can't tolerate the honesty for once. Like, he he expected somebody to go, no, no, it's fine. We understand. And he didn't get that reaction. Mm. And I think he's used to getting that reaction where somebody tells him, you did what you thought you had to do. But I think rarely does what he has to do cause Sam direct anguish. And I think it's interesting that people are upset with Dean when nothing Dean said was incorrect. Like you can argue if you're like a big fan of Cass or whatever, you can argue that it was like super harsh, but that's Dean. Dean's harsh. And well, and I it, see. I it, here's my thing too, and I don't know if we talked about this. I know I think I possibly talked to Robin about it um, last weekend. Um, but 
here here's my thing that's very that's I find super interesting. Dean does not even know at this point that Cass knows something is going on with the shoulder. Like at this point, no one has told Dean about the vision that we've seen, and I'm assuming not because I think it would you know we would know. No one has told Cass has not said a word to Dean. Cass literally is going through something with Dean right now because he kept something from him. Like, he literally kept from him that something was wrong with Jack, which Dean, in his mind, thinks directly caused his mother's death. I I have feelings about that. But I will say this. That is Dean's emotion. That is what he's feeling. That's what he's right now overridingly angry about. I just find it stupid that now Castiel has another secret about the most important person in Dean's life, and he hasn't made a point to say, Dean... I touched Sam's shoulder, and I had a very crazy vision. Something is going on. Well, Something is wrong. To to go back, though, real quick. There was an interview where I think Andrew clarified that it was Sam's vision, but Cass felt it. Oh, so that's interesting. He doesn't know what the vision was. He just felt something, like, wrong. But, again, yeah. what you say holds true, though. He's not saying, hey, something's fundamentally wrong with Sam as a result of this wound that I can't heal, except I can heal some things, but just not that. Well, and so that's why when people were acting angry about what Dean said last night, I'm thinking, honestly, I'm I'm with Becky on the fact that I'm just like, dude, seriously, like you are still holding a secret right now about his brother that you have not told him. He's made it very clear to you that when you hold secrets, that affect his family members, he gets angry, and you still want to have a pity party. I don't have any sympathy for that. Like, I'm like, I'm sorry you're not going to get any sympathy from me, even if Dean was harsh, because all I'm thinking is you know something is not right with Sam, and you still haven't said anything. Why haven't you said anything? Sure, things have been busy. I get that. Sure, you know, Dean cut you off one time in conversation. I cannot imagine that at some point he couldn't say something's wrong with Sam, and that would not stop Dean in his tracks and say, wait a minute, what? What's going on? Continue. So for me, I was with Becky. I'm just like sitting here looking at this scene, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry, dude. You know, you just we just sat here and watched somebody sacrifice themselves, and you're going to be like, oh, woe is me. No, I'm I'm not well, here for and that. And that was my big problem. Like, Rowena just died to save all of you. And you're going to go with, I told you I don't feel well, and you're just not listening to my sniffling sinuses. <laughs> I, I just, because it's not like he has no power. And again, you've been human and you did all right. So what is this that you want someone to listen to you about your diminishing powers? It's not brand new information. Literally, they've had multiple conversations over seasons about, you know, can you do this? No, I can't. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I do agree that, like, 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 even though, like I said in in the interview, Andrew said that um, Cass didn't see the vision, but he felt it. So, he also doesn't know that Sam had a vision. He doesn't know what Sam felt or didn't feel or anything. So he's also not telling Sam, hey, I felt something when I touched you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's true. 
which considering Sam is the one character that has always given Cass the benefit of the doubt. So, and again, that takes me back to, as a storyteller, I would make Cass the villain of this season. Because to me, it makes so much sense. I don't think they'll do it because I don't think they have the guts to do that. See, I wonder. I I, would, the reason I say I would love that. See, I yeah, think it would be really Cass cool. Gale when he first came on the show was amazing. Think, yeah, and I think it would give Misha something to actually work with, other than just pouting all the time. Like it would give him. Some, I mean, six in one hand, and half a dozen in the other. Do we need a Lucifer Redux? Well, and, tr- uh, and like truly, Pacifer. we, yeah, we actually watched numerous times through the season so far where where Belfagor did his best to manipulate Cass into a division from Sam and Dean. Like, every chance he got to needle him about the fact that it was the boys and then him, that he was not part of it, that they were using him, that he was only useful, you know, when they needed him, blah, blah, blah. I mean, numerous times he's done that. He's pointed out to Cass. And it might have been just to get under skin. It could have been because he's got some plan for Cass, for Cass to go and do something. And you know, you just don't know at this point. It would be it would be very interesting if they either made him the bad guy, or um, made him cause some sort of colossal mix-up, as he's done in the past, and then have to sacrifice himself to make it right. And then that's how he goes out, because. I don't know. There's got to – I don't know. I just feel like there's got to be something that's going to be going on with him this season, and it's going to be – he surely didn't walk off last night, and then we're never going to see him again. Oh, of course not. not that. Which – I forget who, whether it was EW or TV line that, like, tried to make it like a spoiler, like, and this is the last we've seen of Blank, and then you read the article, and it was like, will we see Cassidy? And I'm like, I don't know. Check his, check his Instagram because he's constantly <laughs> posting about filming, so <laughs> – also, the picture he posted last night was not from that episode, so, uh, you know, it's real cute. It's real, real cute. That, uh, I feel bad when it comes to, especially when it comes to Supernatural, because I have a lot of friends that uh, write for, like, Variety and uh, IGN and, you know, and, and their own publications as well, doing my remote, and I feel bad for them that they get this content that they have these embargoes on. And then by the time they're allowed to say something, the cast has ruined it. (laughs) Every time I feel so bad for them. But, you know, it must suck to be an entertainment journalist. And by the time you post something, everyone's going, yeah, we knew that like four weeks ago. Thanks. Old news. I just, I really feel for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, not only do we know from that picture that obviously we see Cass again, but there, he has a scene with Dean. Yeah, obviously and it was in the bunker, talking, right? Wasn't it in the bunker? It, it's in the bunker. And also, if you go through Instagram, I can't even tell you. It's mathematically, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done the counting correctly. It's either episode seven or eight. So literally within three to four episodes. <laughs> like, it's not that deep. Really, it, it, you know. 
so if you're good, if so if you are going to drag it out to some degree, you have to have a reason. And I don't know, like I, I don't know that I. I would like story wise for it to be that Cass has always had something kind of darker in him, and maybe hasn't always been the the most loyal of pets. But I also wonder, they could also go the route of, or does he just snap? Mm-hmm. I could, I could go, I could, I could entertain either idea. I would just be happy with him actually and, having a storyline. But he actually has a good storyline that wraps up the character and that we can say goodbye, and 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 then focus I mean, on. I genuinely just for Sam and Dean to have a, a good storyline because, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm still hoping for it. I last night gave me hope. I was so disappointed, and so um, we'll discuss it honestly after last week's episode. And I'm so I um it, it, I, I know y'all probably discussed it, and I know uh, we didn't. I don't we, know didn't do a, we didn't do a podcast on it. Oh, well, and I just, it was, for me, it was just not a good episode. I felt like that they I mean, um, I they just took out after. a box of past characters and threw them at the, threw them on the, sh- on the show. And it's like, oh, oh, there's some, oh, there's, oh, okay, well, it just wasn't, for me, it did not work as an episode. I mean, uh, you know, great for the people that worked for it. It did not work for me as an episode. And so I just was like, oh, God, I hope I don't have to, this, this is just not what I want my last season of Supernatural to be. So last night's episode was a welcome change, and I was very surprised how much that I enjoyed the episode. With um, and in some ways, I think I'm—I don't know. In some ways, I almost feel like I was glad that I went into it with such with such small expectations because then when it was good, it just made me feel all the better for it. It's almost like when you go into a restaurant and you order a dish, and you're like, eh, and then it it blows your mind because it's so delicious. It was similar to that. Like, I went in thinking, I hope it's at least a decent episode. And then it was so good, and I actually cried. And I just felt like, okay, this gives me hope. This gives me hope. Don't crush me, show. Please don't crush me. But it gives me hope because I just, I did. I saw some that last scene in the room. Both the boys just acted their pants off. Not literally, I wish. But figuratively, they just... <laughs> now. They just, it was so good. And I mean, the, I, to me, I felt like the lighting was wonderful. I felt like the framing was wonderful. It, I don't know. I just loved everything about that last scene. I just thought it was just, there was something that just was, and that's what I'm saying, just the last, just the last, you know. I don't the last know. I just liked every, minutes or so of that, of that episode was just really, really well done. Um, it really was. This, like going back to the scene with Sam and Dean and Sam's direction. room. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the direction. You know, the, the There was one scene, the, um there was one scene with Rowena sitting on the steps by herself that was framed. Oh my um, god. Oh that was so beautiful. beautifully. Oh beautiful. I was like, I want I want a print of this hanging on my wall. It was that beautiful. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was oh yeah. I know exactly the scene you're talking about. Um, and yeah, the scene yeah. in Sam's room, the framing of having Dean standing and Sam sitting, which makes Sam look 
smaller, makes him look like the little brother, makes him look like the one that needs taking care of. It's it's such a smart move. And it's interesting that you can see the difference. Like if you if you look at the scene between Sam and Dean and then Dean and Cass, Dean is actually standing the same way in both scenes. Yet the oh, actual oh, I, really leaning, he's leaning and he's crossed. Oh, and I didn't even almost, pay attention to that. Identical. It's almost identical. Yet it's so different. In the scene in Sam's room, it's open, it's accepting, and in the scene with Cass, it's closed off and it's defensive. It's really interesting, and it, they're almost the identical stance. Yeah, I I wanted um I I wanted to I wanted this season and I think I think all three of us and probably, you know, pretty much anybody that's been a fan of Supernatural for, you know, since the beginning or even just since, you know, the first few seasons. Um I think we all wanted this last season to be something that we could be proud of and that we could look at and say this is why I spent 15 years on the show. And that last scene to me exemplified everything that I loved about Supernatural. I love the fact that, um, and I'm a fan, you know, I think we've talked about this before. A lot of people do. A lot of us from early seasons that watched it love the darker scenes, love the lighting of the first few seasons. Um, it, you know, I just, and so the scene, the way he, that it was framed last night, I, it, I just really enjoyed it, and I actually sat there, and as I was after it went off, I had tears in my eyes, and I thought, "This is, this is what I'm here for." Like these quiet moments where these two guys who saved the world are still brothers and still have each other's back and still need each other. And I'm here for the heroics. I'm here for the action. I'm here for all that. I'm also here. That's what's kept me here is these kind of moments of quiet between these two actors. And I'm going to stop before I get super emotional about having to say goodbye to that. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch that now, Vinny, because that's super interesting. I did not real I did not notice that that was the same stance. And so you're going to make me now go back and have to rewatch that to see, if, because if, um, it's not, if it's not like identical, it's almost identical. Um, yeah. And I noticed it when I was rewatching because it was almost because it's, it's, it's you, know, in, in, you know, those of us who are like deeply in fandom or are familiar with like watching con videos and Jensen in general, it's, it's, it's Jensen's, it's Jensen's default. Yeah. You know, he leans and he crosses, but in, if I'm not mistaken, in the scene with Sam, he's leaning and his legs are crossed, but his arms are down. And in the scene with Cass, his arms are crossed and up. So it's almost the stance is identical, but the the actual body language is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the emotion is completely different behind it. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure about his arms being crossed with Cass, but I know, like, I noticed with Sam that it was very, um, like, you know, when you when you tell somebody, like, just tell me everything, and you throw your hands out in front of you, like, like I'm ready to receive information. It was mm-hmm. that kind of, it was like that. And with Cap, it's it's still that lean, but it's just completely emotionally closed off. 
So it's still just that I'm going to lean against this kind of thing. And it's not the kind of thing like, okay, we see that a lot with Jared leaning or sitting because he's taller than everybody else. You don't have to mm-hmm. do that with them. So it's not a trick of camera. It's not a requirement to trick the camera in, the, in this instance. So, yeah, I find it interesting that Jensen can do almost the exact same stance for two different scenes mm-hmm. and really have it come across in one way so open and warm and another way just so cold. I hadn't noticed that, but at, while I'm thinking about it, I, I t- yeah, I can totally see that now that they were, it was the exact same. Yeah, like I said, I'm not 100% sure about the arms crossed the scene with Cass, but I do know about the arm. I watched the I watched the Sam and Dean scene more. I mean, I'm not. Why would I try to hide that I did that? But I watched that more because you get the, you know, Eileen just tweeted as well. I mean, you get the vulnerability of. Stab being barefoot, his shirt is open at home, Dean's and Justice Henley, like they're in each other's space in that moment and they're very they're home in that moment. It's intimate. Clearly, it's very intimate. Yeah. yeah. And they've clearly not in you know, not in a happened. whatever way, but No, like, you know. But they've already yeah. also already discussed what happened. Like Sam's aware of I mean, Dean's aware of why Romina did this. Mm-hmm. Like they've had these conversations already. But it's the check-in of it. Well, this the is the big brother sense kicking was, in. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting, obviously, is to set up the argument. And it's not even an argument, really, like between Cass and Dean. It's just a, I said a fact that you don't like, and my I'm butthurt, so I'm leaving. But let's call it an argument, sure. The fact that Cass goes in and says, how is Sam, instead of checking on Sam, is also very telling as a kid. Like, in terms of like, I'm not a big fan of the word when it comes to this, this fandom, but in terms of meta, it's very interesting that instead of him saying, I'm going to go check on Sam, like the way I would have written it personally, I would have said, I would have had Cass say, I'm going to go check on Sam and have Dean stop him. Yeah. And then go into the argument. But it's interesting that Cass would ask how Sam is it was almost like he was afraid to be the one to go in and ask Sam because he was the catalyst for what Sam had to do. In my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Like I, I, yeah, I agree with that whole thing and I hadn't thought about it that way. I hadn't thought about the fact that it was, it was an interesting choice for them to make that, um, that it was obvious that there had been some sort of discussion between them of what Rowena, what Rowena's choice was, why she did it, and then Sam's part in that, um, and the fact that they all knew that Sam would be struggling with it, but yet Dean is the one that did have that spidey big brother sense go off that says, I need to go check on him, whereas Cass is just like through a third party saying, hey, how's he doing? You know, and they, they could have. They could have easily phrased it in a way just like you're saying, how Sam, I'm, I'm going to check on him, and Dean say, no, 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 just leave him, and then have it lead easily into the whole, are you, you're still angry with me conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not. And, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to say that I'm a better writer than Robert Barron's, but I'm not going to not say it. <laughs> I'm not going to comment either way. For anybody, for anybody yeah, listening, I'm clearly not a professional. I'm clearly not a professional writer, which also doesn't mean that I can't be better. I'm just not employed as a writer. But oh, that's just, I, think, I think that would have I think that would have segued a little smoother, and it would have given Cass a little more. It would have given me a little more empathy towards Cass in that moment, versus him asking. I, you know, it, it's. It's so indirect to ask how ask somebody else how someone is versus reaching out to that person, especially when, like, you know, you are the person that should reach out because you're the person at fault. And I don't know. We'll see how it unfolds, but I do think it's, it's a very interesting uh, episode in terms of setting things up. I agree with that, and I think I, I think that's one of the things that pleasantly surprised me about it is because it moved the story along, and it allowed you to um, it allowed you to see. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of different plot points I'm seeing, and I'm like, how are y'all going to fit all this stuff in without cramming it in and making it not good? But it did move the story along well, unlike the episode last week to me, which basically served not much of a purpose. Um, as far as moving story, this moved the story along and brought up some very good things, um, was very deep, uh, was very emotional, but it furthered us into the story of where we're going, hopefully, this season. Because, um, yeah, it's, um, we got 17 episodes left. 17, yeah. <sighs> I I was, was pleasantly surprised with how good this episode was, because, like, yeah, last week, oh, oh God, don't even want to talk about it, but <laughs> this this episode, I, it actually had me, you know, like, I, I just did not expect that, I don't know where this is going now, you know, type of thoughts, and pleasantly surprised. Is this director, is he directing anymore this season? Do y'all know? Is this the only episode of the season? Or is... Don't, I, nothing that I've seen slated yet. Um, but I was, for reference, I mean, I, for anybody, for anybody who, like, wonders why we're like, oh, Charles Beeson is so good. Uh, Charles Beeson did Playthings. He did Roadkill, which I think is an episode that is sorely underrated. He did um, Sin City, Time is on My Side. Sex and Violence, um, Changing Channels, and this isn't even all of them. I'm just listing a few. Oh, wait, I'm yeah. wrong. He's slated, he's slated to do the episode 11 of the season. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, great. I'm, I'm, so, so he is, like, that's why I said he is somebody who is very familiar with the canon of the show. Yeah. Yeah, because as, as we all know, you know, there's like there's a lot that goes into making a good episode, and you can have a great writer, but if you ha- if you have a subpar director or vice versa, and to me, I was you know I got to give Barron's credit that I don't know 
I don't know where he came up with this from, but he did a really good job with it. And then Decent actually um, took it and, yeah, I just, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, Very much enjoyed it. (laughs) I can't, I actually, and I I think I tweeted this, but I actually rewatched the episode. And, you know, that used to be the norm. Every episode I rewatched at least once and sometimes rewatched twice, depending on how good it was. And I haven't really been in that habit lately um, for reasons, but this was one I actually did rewatch today because um, I wanted to make sure I hadn't missed some things. I wanted to make sure if there were some, um, because I really did feel like Ruthie pulled out all the stops with this, with this portrayal of, of Rowena. And I felt like she, um, she was, she's always been good. I've always respected her acting and I just felt she was especially good in this episode, especially in the scene with, with Sam. But um, or with Jared, but um, I did go back to rewatch because one, I wanted uh, to break my heart a little bit more because I'm a glutton for punishment. But two, because I felt like I might have missed some things because I was sort of emotional. And yeah, there was a lot of nuance and a lot of the like Becky said that shot of her sitting on the steps. It was glorious. Um, yeah, I, I was I was so glad to be able to have an episode that I could rewatch. Mm-hmm. And enjoy it and enjoy it the second time as much or not more. So. I actually think I did enjoy it. Not maybe not enjoy it more the second time because I I enjoyed it the first time, but the first time I as I got I got more emotional in the Sam Rowena scene the second time than I did the first time. It hit me mm-hmm. even harder the the second time. I will miss her calling him Samuel. I love that. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, Becky, yes. Oh, God, yes. That That's, yeah. And I love... That was, a, yeah, that was always a great when tick says, they gave her. And when she says book, talking about books, the way she says book, <laughs> I love that. I will... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we've gone through just about everything. I and also, so I have so I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, now, um, I have my... For our listeners, um, the next episode isn't until November 7th. There's no episode on Halloween. So the next one is November 7th, Atomic Monsters. And that's the episode Jensen directed. So Ooh, it looks like it? it should be good. Ooh. And then the next um, then we just got the uh, release episode for November 14th episode um, today. It's called, the title of it is Proverbs 17.3, and it's the one directed by Richard Spate. So those are our next two episodes. And every day we have on, on Twitter and Facebook, we post, we're trying to find out what the fan favorite episode of all time is. We're going through every single episode and so make sure you vote every day, except on weekends. I don't post them on weekends. But the current one ends tomorrow, and it's All Hell Breaks Loose Part 2 is up against Sin City. So mm. if you want to go vote, there's 17 hours left on that. You can vote on Twitter or Facebook. Um, well, that's the Twitter one, I think. Facebook is different. Let me check. Facebook is Bad Day at Blackrock versus Sin City. Bad day at Black, oh. Black Rock one. Yeah, it's very interesting to me how the results skew differently based on platform. Um, I know, it is to me too. So like I didn't realize I, that. Yeah, Twitter, uh, choose wisely. 
I know you're already choosing wisely. Continue to choose wisely. <laughs> well, that's that's fascinating to me. That that uh, yeah, I'm yeah. I didn't realize that y'all were running it on Twitter. Facebook too. So I didn't realize they were too, that the polls were different. I was that's fascinating to me. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. Twitter seems to go with the more emotional. Twitter seems to go with the more choose the most mm-hmm. more most emotional episodes. Whereas on Facebook they go with the more entertaining, like you know, bad day, bad day at Blackrock beat Folsom Prison Blues beat what is and what should never be on Facebook, and um, hmm. which I was totally which, shocked by, and it was it was the winner that. for a long time until yeah, all hell show you part that two. We're all like how fandom echo chambers work. How we all feel like, oh no, of course this would win. Everybody likes this episode better, and then you're like, oh, or not? <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe <laughs> not. Yeah. So like, you know, we have pockets and, and pockets and pockets, and we seem to get more male voters on Facebook than we do on Twitter. Oh, for sure. oh that's very true too. That's very true. I didn't. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Twitter does seem to be uh, a more female-driven platform. Now, I, and I say that I don't know. I have no empirical knowledge of this. <laughs> it's just me saying it. So please, people, you know, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I'm just saying to me, and I guess it could be just my little small Twitter world. It seems to be mostly female, with a few brilliant men thrown in. Um, you know that, uh, but it's mostly female. But I, that's just very true. That that probably Facebook has a lot more of the males voting, which would then probably does make sense that it would be possibly not the ones that are more emotional. They'd probably like the more meaty, dramatic, you know, action-y type episodes, I maybe. I don't know. that. Maybe I'm being, st- I'm being stereotypical. I apologize. I'm stereotyping. No, I'm, and I'm going to make a stereotypical creeping comment as well. To me, Facebook tends to view more of the people who have watched once through or watch and then catch on TNT every now and then and, like, don't really overly, like, just sit there and wallow in their brother's feelings uh, <laughs> like like we do on Twitter. We're just like, it's this, it's this, it's this. yeah, so I, I think that's True. part of it, too. True that. So, well, I just want to say thank y'all for thank y'all for letting me call in, and I love you, Susan, and I missed you tonight. Um, but I appreciate y'all letting me call in and monopolize some of the conversation. Um, oh, with my I'm so glad you did. my sweet my sweet Southern Belle self. <laughs> <laughs> You're always a good guest. <laughs> I'm just sitting here laughing at myself. <laughs> Oh, the sweet Southern Belle. I'm good. I'm gonna tell my. I'm a, I'm visiting my cousins this weekend, and I'm gonna go in there and tell them I'm a sweet Southern Belle. Y'all didn't know. <laughs> hey, I like, said Southern no. Belle. I didn't say sweet. I just said Southern Belle. <laughs> Becky, when I repeat this story, there's gonna be a sweet attached. So just live with it. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. okay. When I repeat the story, sweet is gonna be part of the story. Anyway, just so I appreciate know, y'all letting me call in. Record recorded. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Becky's like, I've got proof. That is not what I said. I never called you sweet. I would never dare to call you sweet. But I appreciate y'all, and I appreciate everything y'all do every week. I'm going to suck up right now. I appreciate that y'all do the podcast, and even when I don't call in, I try to listen. Even if I don't get to listen that night, I try to listen during the week. 
And I sometimes, uh, well, lots of times, hear things that I didn't think about or didn't, you know, it didn't occur to me. And uh, so I appreciate y'all taking your time to do the podcast oh. because sometimes I, I actually learn a few things, and I like that a lot. Thank you. Well, that reminded me of one thing. I really, I, I really was talking to Becky. I really wasn't talking crypt- to you, Benny. Well, of, of course, I knew that. <laughs> um, the crypt. Uh, it, did anybody else notice that the crypt where they were doing all their magic spells and everything had the name Carver on it? I oh, somebody! I that. saw somebody mention that on Twitter. They, 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 no, I did not. Mm-hmm. I did not As in it. Jeremy Carver. Yeah. yeah, I did I not notice. So. Oh, that's interesting. Now, is it Jeremy Carver or is it Carver Edlund? Oh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I was thinking Jeremy Carver, but maybe, maybe it's a Chuck thing. Could be. That's, oh, see, that's interesting. Either way, it would be good, but I mean, just for shady reasons, I would almost hope that, like, a crypt in the graveyard is Jeremy Carver just in being shady. But, you know. Mm-hmm. It could be Carver Edlund. <laughs> you know, I would hate for I would hate to think they're being clever. So I don't know. But anyway. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Anything thank else? Thank you, Christy, for calling in. I have nothing else. I'm just hungry. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. And again, like Vinny said, thanks, Christy, for calling. It was a lot of fun tonight. So I love y'all. let the guys play us out. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.